0: So, if you're joining with us, we're starting in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, and I will be reading till the end of the chapter, Colossians 1, 15 through 29. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, all, became a minister. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of His body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister warning everyone, and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And this is the word of the Lord. Uh, So normally what we do is we will actually um, open up and allow people to say what they noticed just in the plain reading of the scripture. Um, instead of doing the entire passage, though, because it's so in-depth, uh, maybe we can just open it up for verses 15 through 20 and see if there's anything in here that jumped out at you or grabbed your attention or something that you, you um, want to comment on. Uh, bring up either a question or statement or some of both. So, um, any any uh, thoughts on verses 15 through 20? They start out with. Uh, just a second. We have R.E.A. Oh, go ahead.
1: Um, there, as you say, this passage in general is packed. I could talk for a long time. So, stop me if I get off whatever or. Uh, someone else needs a turn. Uh, and this is what you said through verse 20, I think, at the start. Yeah. I would identify three important things that I have been meditating on and studying for quite a long time. Uh, the first one, perhaps, uh, is in this uh, firstborn phrase. It, it appears twice, prototokos. Uh, it's been debated among theologians, but it simply means firstborn. It can mean a uh, uh, a uh, favored one or leader or something, but it literally and simply means firstborn. And it's applied in two different uh, contexts. The first is the firstborn of creation, which creates some problems for some people theologically. The second is the firstborn from the dead, which is actually preached by Paul, for example, in Anatolia. He called Christ's resurrection from the dead, being the firstborn from the dead. So we can understand that he's the first resurrected and all the rest of us are waiting our turn. But the firstborn from creation is actually reflecting a teaching from Book of Proverbs, which describes in the voice of the Spirit of Christ, um, wisdom is speaking. And wisdom says that I was there before all the hills and the mountains were created. Before all that happened, I was brought forth in agony, is what the Hebrew text says. And it's not just a birth description, it's describing a woman writhing in agony. And it, I interpret this to mean that the creation for God was very costly. As a precondition for creation, he had to first bring forth the spirit of Christ and take upon himself the commitment to suffer at the hands of his creation, everything that creation was going to do to him in the continuation. So I I would suggest that this is, and in fact, a Hebraism, it's simply a quotation uh, a, in the New Testament of uh, the voice of wisdom speaking as the spirit of Christ. Yeah. As, I don't know if one. Counter comment or debate. There are two more points I could make, but they're also a little bit uh, weighty and lengthy. So uh, yeah, let's, maybe let's, I should stop.
0: Um, let's focus on this for a second. It's such a difficult passage. Again, there are so many different um, theological differences among churches. Uh, you also have um, uh, both the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses that have an even greater difference of uh, theological debates. Um, and certainly Proverbs, I believe Proverbs chapter 8 then um, referred to in, um, Ecclesiasticus 24, I believe. Um, and then even further elaborated in the book of John and First John. But that doesn't preclude Paul from being able to speak on it. Uh, Vita, do you have something?
2: Yeah. It's just a quick, um, it's very interesting what you said, Arieh, but Just going back to the firstborn of all creation, I've always understood in my mind that that was, you know, as you say, going to Proverbs 8, where he talks about the wisdom and all of that. But what it reminds me of is that before God created anything, he already had in mind that the fall would happen and he would have to send his son. And in my mind, when he's saying the firstborn of all creation, that Christ was preeminent, as what would need be needed as a result of the creation God did, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, go ahead. I, I would say that uh, all that is uh, true. I, I do think, however, that it's uh, a very literal and practical implication here. Uh, in fact, in Psalm 2, for example, when God says, uh, you are my son, today I have... And our translations say begotten you. It's not accurate because it, in the Hebrew it says, uh, He's speaking in the voices of a woman giving birth. So God is in fact saying, I know the, the pains of childbirth. I gave birth to you uh, on this particular day. Now you can... Uh, that context has perhaps two different meanings, but I, I take it to mean both firstborn at creation, as Paul says here, and firstborn from the dead.
2: Can I just interject in just one thing, just based on what you're saying, just to make sure I understand you clearly, Aria, oh, you, I'm assuming you're not saying that Christ only came into being as a result of the creation, um, and but because... In my mind, and as far as I understand scripture, Christ has always been his God. He's never created, but he did, but he had to become flesh. And and that, as part of the creation story, he had to become into flesh um, in order to redeem mankind. And and God foreknew all of that before he even did the creation. So I'm just checking to make sure that you're saying the same thing, that Christ has always preexisted. He's God.
1: Well, I think we have, cannot go back before creation, because for us human beings, that's the start of time and space. It's our only point of reference for understanding any existence at all. Logically, we can say God pre-existed. Yes, of course, because he's God. He was the first maker and he's the first cause. I'm not, I would say, however, that he had to adopt... Give birth to, however you say it, the spirit of Christ as a precondition for creation, not as a created being. Of course not. Christ is pre-existent before creation. That's what he's saying here. He was the firstborn of of at the start before creation. That's what Proverbs is telling us in the voice of uh, of wisdom. Not not part of the other creatures, but as the means. I would also dwell on this business of. by and through Christ, because this is also can be debated, and we have it, in fact, in this very passage here. One of our translations, the first one says by Christ, and then a few verses down, it says through Christ. I would submit that through is better and more consistent. The first one is en christo, and the en can be in, it can also be by means of. So I think by means of works better. The second one is "dia diatu, which is definitely through. So, that also matches the description of wisdom in the book of Proverbs, that it is by means of wisdom that God created all these other things, and here Paul says, of course, it was for him, through him, and he is above all things, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which is all, all fine, and we 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 don't have a problem with that, I don't think. It is the Spirit of Christ that enabled God to create, because he was committing in advance to be the victim of his creation, bearing the sins of the world. and. Even before Jesus and after him, whereas, as we'll see here later in this chapter, the, the wording itself is obviously
0: quite difficult. Um, uh, the, it's, um, as mentioned, for the tokan, or uh, coming from for the tokas, actually. Um, and it, it does definitively, 99% of the time, simply mean that the child that is born first. Um it actually doesn't appear that often in the New Testament, although it does appear quite often in the Old Testament, um, in the Tanakh, uh, specifically in the in the um version. Um, and you do have different different questions. Um, Proverbs 8, right? You have this this uh being that is there helping create. Um you have um Uh, You have this, um, which unfortunately, eventually, uh, in the Jewish um, polytheistic world, which is what, right before exile, many of the Israelites were polytheistic, um, you have this this God-wife that some Jewish people seem to include coming out of Proverbs 8, uh, which is then Uh, corrected in um, Ecclesiasticus, uh, the wisdom of Ben Sirah, and then again corrected in in John chapter 1 and 1 John. Um, You also have, um, like I said, uh, almost all of the references in the Septuagint are just the firstborn, so-and-so was born, firstborn to Isaac, firstborn of Jacob, firstborn of Judah. Um one of the few uh different passages is found in Psalm uh eighty-nine twenty-seven, uh which is talking it's uh talking about uh King David uh and that, that God is making David the firstborn, um, right, which is definitively right, you look at it. And David wasn't the firstborn in any sense of the word. He wasn't the firstborn of the children of Jesse. He wasn't the first king of Israel. He, um, it, it seems to be some kind of a, a change in position of some sort, um, probably prophetic. Uh, some people I know will then go ahead and take this passage and make it a, uh, a, messianic, a messianic prophecy which it could be, although it's not obvious from the passage itself. Um, I think uh, Hebrews chapter 1 actually is quite interesting. It uses the same word. Um, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all
3: God's angels worship him. Um, Now, what we just read, right? The angels of God were created after, at the very least, after him. Um, so he, because he created them,
0: right? Uh, for all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities. Um, they were all things created by him in heaven and earth. So the angels themselves were created by him. Even though it talks about in in, in Hebrews chapter one, him being the firstborn into the world. Um, Obviously, uh, the chapter one is all about Jesus, God's son.
3: And you do have this aspect of, well, he wasn't the first human either, right? That was
0: Adam. He wasn't the firstborn human. uh, That would have been, um, right, Abel um so you do have this concept um again and again in in the book of hebrews but all god's angel you worship him uh your throne oh god is forever and ever the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom uh some semi- very similar messianic type well, it's is, it's uh, and it's not uh, whether you include uh the psalm um, psalm 89 as a messianic prophecy or just talking about david which is in itself a kind of messianic prophecy another question but go ahead uh, sorry it's
2: just it's very interesting the things you've been saying but it just made me think about also where we god the father calls israel his firstborn
0: yeah
2: and so that the whole Four. concept of of their firstborn is something quite unique if that makes any sense it's quite, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, the word, what
0: you've been saying, um, John. Yeah, so actually 4 verse 22 talks about Israel being uh, God's son, um, even my firstborn, which again, uh, there's basically only two or three different places in, in the Septuagint that, that use for the Tokash, uh, for the Tokan, for the Tokua, whatever, all of the different variations as something besides your literal firstborn, um, but that is one of them. Now, traditionally, uh, the church has gone ahead and, and said it's it means something more than just this concept of the token, like how you would normally read it firstborn. Um, this is the, tr- the way that the church has traditionally read it. Um, looking at uh, the, the Trinity as eternal, um, everlasting. But it is something that we have to wrestle with, right? To say, okay, this is what it literally states. Um, and sometimes that means that in the end, we might not actually get to a complete consensus in any one Bible study. In fact, we won't. Because you look at the churches out here, you know, there's a church to my left, uh, there's a church uh, 50 feet down the road, uh, and to the right, right, and they all believe slightly different things. Um, And sometimes it, it just means
3: that you have to say, well, this is what I believe. And then you keep reading and you see what else is there, what else can we gain, and how. How do we look
0: at this? Um, so, verses 15 through 20 seems largely to be about uh, the Messiah, the Christ,
3: uh, the beloved Son of the Father, um,
0: and this
3: beloved Son is doing things.
0: So, we've already mentioned RA brought up, and and again. You have Proverbs 8, you have John chapter 1, which is a later book, but still the Word of God, the revelation of God. First John, um, and many other places. Uh, Paul brings it up in, in other uh, epistles as
3: well. The Creator, right? He created all things. <clears throat> so how is this
0: helpful? Because what we talked about at the end of last week was that we are to walk in a way that's worthy of the Lord. We are to bear fruit. We are the saints of God, made saints by God, because God has qualified us. And then he talks about this the son, son, the beloved Son, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So what are some... Things that we see in 15 through 20 that might refer back to walking worthy, being qualified to be
3: saints, anything that's obvious here or perhaps slightly less obvious. One practical implication to me is in this word that he is the head of all things.
1: This, this, and especially head of all things to the church. And if we combine this with Paul's image in the letter to Ephesians, it's, an, it's bringing and stating again that there are no intermediaries between any human being and, and God except the man, Jesus Christ. Direct to him, through, the, through him to the Father. We are not dependent upon other people to hear the voice of God, although he may use them and, and undoubtedly will, but we have an, each an individual obligation to hold fast directly to the head.
0: Yeah. So he, Jesus is the head of the body. He's the head of the church. He's preeminent above all things. Uh, we didn't talk that much about the firstborn from the dead, um, but... You know, he is the beginning, he's the firstborn from the dead, he's preeminent,
3: he's the creator, he's the head of the body and of the church. Um and if God is
0: the one that qualified us to be saints, and now we're talking about Jesus, maybe there's a point to that. That we have this
3: image of the invisible God that is our intermediaries, as you would say. Um, and
0: more than that, uh, just one of those things, sometimes you ask an obvious question, uh, but just reading verse 20, right? What does it say? Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross, right? He's our mediator, He's the one that reconciles us. He's the one that makes peace, which uh, Paul talks about in depth in, in uh, his other letters, right? Uh, in Ephesians, he is our peace, um, right? In Ephesians, it talks about uh, the peace uh, like three different times. And, you know, we should earnestly seek peace among the brothers, Jewish and Gentile together. Um, and it ends by you know, basically saying Jesus is our peace. He's the one who brings the church together because whether, you're, you're, you know, whether you have different theology, whether you have different culture, whether you have different languages, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, Jesus is the one who makes peace. He's the one that reconciles us just as the Father is the one who says, ah, well, you're from Colossae. Not as important as Rome, not as important as Laodicea, not Jerusalem. But you're qualified to be a saint and to share in the inheritance of the the saints, right? Um, and, And now we have this image of the invisible God who is reconciling us to him. He is the head of the body. He is the head of the church. He is the one that we have direct contact to especially going back to Hebrews. You read this uh, very strongly. He's the mediator, uh, as well as uh, Timothy, I believe. Uh, and he makes peace by the blood of his cross. Um, before we jump to, to 21 through
3: 23, uh, is there any other comments? Uh, Ari, uh, Kate, go ahead.
4: No, I, 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 I thank you so much. There's so much to I don't understand but it's, it's coming together. But I, I won't be alone in that, I know. <laughs> I think what struck me, especially with the last conversations from Ayav and Yusa, is there must have been something really important going on for this to have been written because it's actually laying things out from the top. It's, it's um, whatever was happening and the reason that this letter was needed was this was there some dissent about who was telling who what or who was the head of what uh, or or was it just within the church because he's saying very specifically if what you're saying that i understand is that there is one god he is the godhead he is the top of of um he is the head of 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 our world he is the one that tells us and and, and his word is what matters is 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 that something going on in Colossae? We don't know, do we? Yeah. Um. So what I
0: would say is, at least this part of Colossians isn't necessarily the best epistle or or chapter to talk about the Trinity per se. Uh, what I would say is that he's very clearly addressing a group of people who. Colossae, actually, like up until the 3rd century B.C., was, was an important town. So they have this in their history. Um, their history is, oh, we were important, but now we aren't. You also have this concept of perhaps, and again, we, we don't know, you're correct, Kate, we, we absolutely don't know that much about Colossians or Colossae and the people of Colossae, outside of this, this particular writing.
3: But it feels like Paul is addressing a group of people who talked to them. Epaphras, who he, no one really knows. You know, a random a random guy
0: who was who passionate and faithful and preached. But it's not Peter. Not Paul, not John, not James, you know, none of the well-known
3: apostles, none of the even well-known disciples. So perhaps they're like, well, you know, maybe we aren't as important.
0: Who are they? Most of them probably, or many of them would have been Gentiles, or at least Jewish people who have been removed from Jerusalem and Israel for generations. Right, I'm there were almost certainly uh, Jewish people within the congregation, as in all of the churches in in Asia Minor that we see. But perhaps
3: there is this feeling that: Are we important? Are we? Are we really part of the saints? Are we
0: in the body of believers? Are we part of the church?
3: And Paul writes to them and says, "Well." Who's the head of the church? God's son. And God is the one who brought you into the church. He's the one who qualified you. And who's reconciling you? Jesus, God's son, the
0: image of the invisible God. And so if you're from
3: Colossae, if you're one of the Colossians, you are starting to say, you know what? I'm part of the church. I'm a saint. I'm a faithful brother. Epaphras was a faithful brother.
0: He doesn't have to be called Paul. He doesn't have to be a famous apostle. He just had to go to the city that he lived in, right? This is his town. Um, He seems to have uh, lived in Colossae. He heard the gospel at some point. We don't even know how. And now he preached, and people heard, and they follow him. Um, So again, maybe not the best book to talk about the Trinity yet, but certainly a good book for us to say, who are we? Well, we're actually saints. We're actually reconciled to God. That is assuming... (laughs) that we're faithful, bearing fruit, following Him, et cetera, which we'll come to shortly. Aryeh, you uh, had a couple other things to say?
1: Yeah, one is a kind of a fun, and the other, I think, is an important, uh, important truth. I've had a lot of fun meditating on verse 17 over some time, where Paul says that in Him all things, something like hang together, that's probably the best translation I've heard or thought about it. It yeah. seems to be portraying him, Christ, as an ongoing exerter of a force throughout all creation that sustains every element. And as a lapsed physicist, I think of the four basic uh, physical forces in creation that are all, all except perhaps one of them are attractions the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, electromagnetism, and gravity, they all pull things together, uh, with the slight exception of the weak nuclear force, although that's involved. And it, it matches the nature of God as a gatherer. Christ says, I gather, the enemy scatters. Stick with me, and it'll all stick together. And these are currently being exerted. It's an unimaginable power that is sustaining every aspect of every element, of every subatomic particle. They are all hanging together in Christ. And it's parallel. There's one other similar verse in Hebrews at the opening of Hebrews 1, where it says that Christ sustains the entire creation by his powerful word, meaning he carries it. Actually, the word is carrying it. He's undergirding it. And that reminds me of the Higgs field, which is the underlying potential energy field that permeates all of creation that is generated by nothing in creation. It's quite a mystery. They proved its existence through the existence of the Higgs boson back in 2012, at the Large Hadron Collider. And, and scripture is telling this that that is also the manifestation of Christ. Nothing would be here. There would be no mass without that under undergirding field of potential energy being generated as
3: scripture tells us by Christ.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so again, like Paul is very clear often in um, passage after passage, letter after letter, that we are in fact new creations. Right. So if you, it's, it's a little bit of a jump from, from epistle to epistle, but for sure. Jesus is the creator. And if we're created new beings, right, he's still in the process of of reconciling people and and creating in us a new heart, a new man. Um it's a little bit of a, a perhaps um not straight from this passage alone, but we do have other passages which which talk about it. Uh, and 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 what an amazing thought that this is what qualifies us to be saints um, God, the creator uh the father, the son, and um other other scripture will talk about the holy Spirit, uh not this one um, so verse twenty one through twenty three uh so verse fifteen starts with He is. Verse 21 starts with, and you. Right? So we have a a new um, movement going on. Uh,
3: what, What do we see from verses 21 through 23 that might jump out at us? Go ahead, Peter
2: I think it's fascinating in verse 22. It's um, that all of this is pertaining only to us, but through the his body, through death. So it's his death. Obviously, his body is broken for us, but it's also our death because we've died with him. And we, as you said, we've risen again as these new creatures. It, it's, uh, you know, I say these words and I, I grasp it, but it's actually so beautiful that we are actually completely now new creatures in christ jesus all things have passed away we become new and and uh, you know as we just go into this and you talking Aries is talking the power of what god's done the power of god it is fascinating it is amazing we really don't grasp what, who we are and what we become in christ
0: yeah i think um it's very important in, in verse 22 Gnosticism isn't quite as powerful as it will become in the next 100 years of the Gospels, but it's still there. Um, You know, we're talking about this creator, this image of the invisible God,
3: this icon of the invisible God, something that you can see and touch and, and know. And yet also flesh. Um, you know, there there is good, there is
0: use, there is you know, you cannot separate, you know, spirit is good, flesh is bad. Um, He's now reconciled us in His body of flesh by
3: His death. Uh, anything else? It's uh,
0: interesting, of course, that. It starts with this phrase. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. These are the people that you're talking about. And you look at them, and it's perhaps no wonder that they need someone like Paul to write to them and say, Verse 12 giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light verse two to the saints and faithful brothers in christ at Colossae. even when it's talking about um uh, verses you know four five and six that they're bearing fruit they're you know this this hope that they have this knowledge that they have this this hearing of the word of truth is bearing fruit Um, And they have been reconciled peace through the blood of the cross, peace through the body of flesh by his death. Um, And I think this is important for us to
3: recognize in two different ways. Right. First of all, who are we? And this answer has two different things. Right, So I've, I've talked to people um,
0: about pride and humility. Slightly off topic, but I think it, it fits. When we think of humility, we think of, you know, there's this vast gap. So if God's up here, we're not
3: down here, we're off the screen. Like we're, we're, we can't be compared. So of course, to be humble is to
0: recognize that God is so much greater than us, so much more powerful than us, so much
3: everything than me. And then when you look at your neighbor, you're not saying, oh, you know, I'm
0: better. You're looking at your neighbor and saying, well, the gap between God and me and the gap between God and them, what's the difference? Right? Right. And so you can you can have humility towards your neighbor and recognize, you know what? Like, everything God has done for me, God has or can do for them. But there's another side to humility, and that's recognizing
3: that God cared for me, and God cared for them. Because otherwise, we're just putting ourselves down actually being humble. Because being humble would recognize
0: that we do have some worth. Because God stated, like if God is way up here and he's telling us something,
3: we need to listen. And he's saying, I love you. And I love them. So you have both sides. And here you have, you were hostile.
0: You were doing evil deeds. And I think all of us can probably think
3: of times in our lives when we were perhaps slightly depressed or greatly proud or whatever it is because we're looking at what and who we are and saying, I've sinned. I know I was sinning, I knew when I was doing it that I was sinning, and I did it anyways. How can I be a saint? Or perhaps there is time in our lives when we
0: look back and we're like, well, you know, we were so proud that, that we didn't even think that we were doing evil deeds. We were just living our life, whether we knew about God or not. Um, And in this case, many of these people probably didn't know about God, right? Because they're hearing about him uh, in verse 5, right? Uh, They've heard this from Epaphras, this word of truth
3: um, of the gospel, and many of them perhaps for the first time. But these are the people that Paul is talking to. And they were doing evil deeds,
0: and they are the ones reconciled. They're the ones who
3: have this head of the body that in Hebrews it's very clear we can come and talk to as we need. You've sinned. Well, you can come to the Father and confess. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Right. Um so that's that's uh
0: Just one part from verse 21. Any uh, any other comments or obvious or things that jumped out?
1: We we should remember that, according to the previous verse, that reconciliation was for everyone, all things in heaven and all things in earth, things seen and things unseen. It's only the minority who will benefit from it, but but the reconciliation from God's point of view was for all.
0: Yeah, and you see that same concept in John 3.16, right? For God's sake. love.
1: Right. We also need to bear in mind here and from this that reconciliation is not the same thing as salvation in Scripture. Reconciliation is a precondition of salvation, but it is not coterminous with it.
0: Yeah, that actually is a good point, although, as you mentioned earlier, they are called specifically saints, and— um, People who share in the inheritance of the saints. but yeah, he, he
3: reconciled all things. and now he's talking to these people who have become saints. Uh, it's a really good point. Um, but why Why is he talking to these people? What's going on? In order to present you holy, to present you blameless, to present you above reproach.
0: If, indeed, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. So this hope that's mentioned earlier
3: in the chapter, which has been proclaimed, and again, in all creation. So again,
0: reconciled to himself all things proclaimed to or in
3: all creation. Unfortunately, not everyone continues in the faith. Not everyone is stable and steadfast. Um, There are those who turn away from the hope of the gospel. Uh, and, And they very well might not be presented holy and blameless and above reproach. Any comments on that? Do you think that there
4: are Christians who do not really understand actually what Rea just finished saying about being reconciled and then salvation?
0: Um, yeah, I'll give my, my comments. Um, Although maybe Aria can go first since he was the one that mentioned it.
1: Yes, uh, Paul tells us, explains to us at some length in the letter to Romans especially, that reconciliation is a product of Christ's death, and salvation is a product of his life. Having been reconciled to God through the death of us, Son, how much more shall we be saved by his life? So reconciliation is a preliminary that God does primarily for his own sake to keep peace between himself and his creation and all creatures by voluntarily becoming the victim of the sins of of the world, of everyone. He doesn't fight back. He practices what Jesus preached in order to hold open the gates of faith and salvation to all. After that, after faith comes in and starts its work, then there is the place for Christ's life to come in. He comes in via the Spirit of Christ, who is the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit who raises, will raise us from the dead. It is the Holy Spirit who cleanses our conscience from dead works and the sins of the past. And it is the Holy Spirit, Christ's life, that gives us the overflowing uh, joy and victory to carry on from right now on and until the resurrection of the dead.
0: Yeah, and,
3: and there is... It, it might not be directly um, answering your question, Demaris, but there is
0: this concept, right, that right before the reconciliation, right before talking about how, you know, we are brought into the saints, right, you have these two paragraphs,
3: one before and one after, that talk directly to how you live. Because if we've not just died in Messiah, we've not just risen, but we also
0: live in, in, um, in Christ's church uh, each week.
3: There's a phrase, uh, great is the mystery of faith. And then there's a response, Messiah has died. Messiah
0: is risen. Uh, Messiah will come again. And then you have a, a second response which I wish I had my thing with me. I can't remember exactly what the phrase is. But um, the response
3: is, we, people of the church, have died together. We have risen together. And this is the hardest part. We will live together. Right? We live together. We. We're doing things. We're acting.
0: We're bearing fruit. We're serving. Um, And
3: this comes out of living, right? Once we're dead, well, the glorious life we'll have. But right now, we're alive. We're living. We're acting. We're serving. We
0: need to continue in faith, we need to continue to be steadfast, we need to continue bearing fruit, and unfortunately, there are many people
3: in this world who call themselves Christians, and sometimes I feel like I'm that person calls myself a Christian, but where's the fruit? And then you, you start to examine your life, and you can say,
0: okay, you know, and and Paul said, you should examine your life. See if there's, you know, see if you're in Christ, see if you're in God, see if there's fruit.
3: And and thankfully, by God's grace, there is, right? But, but sometimes you need to look and say, okay, well, there's some fruit. Shouldn't I have more? Shouldn't I be faithful? Like a Path you know, this person that we've never heard of before.
0: And here's a whole church. Because he preached the word faithfully. Um, you know, when when have we done that? Uh, it might not be a church, it might be this or that, or it might be, you know, a um food kitchen or, you know, uh Having gone to college 20 years ago, I can say faithfully that, uh, you know, if you're good at baking pies, you know, bake some pies and bring them to the college that you're near, right? Or whatever it is that you're good at, whatever it is that you can be faithful in. Um, And too many Christians, they don't act. They don't do the things that they're supposed to do.
3: And perhaps they've been reconciled, or at least there's, there's this opportunity to be reconciled. But, but perhaps they haven't lived in God's life. They haven't lived in the life of Jesus.
0: Um, which is very unfortunate and
3: something that for sure we should each one of us examine in ourselves. Um, so we'll go ahead unless there's any other comments on, on 15
0: through 23. Um, obviously 15 through 20 and 21 through 23 aren't different passages. They're all part of the same package. It's just um, there's so much packed into here that I feel like if we'd just opened it up, somebody would jump into verse 24 or something and we'd never
3: get back. Um, but any other comments before we move on to 24 through 29? Did you repeat that? I didn't understand the verses you were yeah, quoting. Yeah.
0: Sorry, um, I need to speak into my mic. Uh, so anything in 15 through 23, either together as a, as a whole, or even going back from verses 1 to 23 as a whole. Um, Or we can jump ahead and and start to go through 24 through 29, Um, because the whole thing, right, this is one epistle. Uh, I'm dividing it up a little bit, just because every single sentence that Paul is writing is packed. And I don't want to
3: skip too far ahead, lest we never go back. If not, we'll we'll jump into uh, verse twenty-four, and again we do have um,
4: we have. John, can uh, I just ask at the end of uh, verse twenty-three, it says of which I Paul became a minister. Now, my my biblical knowledge is is not. I mean, I'm learning, so it's not as bad it used to be. But is minister a word that is used very often? I can't remember seeing the word. I am a minister. I mean, we call clergymen ministers now, but I don't remember seeing that referred to before. I thought it's perhaps something you know, you're quite knowledgeable on these things. It's an interesting word. We had the words, using the words apostle and disciple last week. There are words being used in this letter, which, which must be relevant because he's using them.
0: Yeah. So the word is diaconos, um, of which, if you're in the Anglican Church, right? If you're a priest, you're also a deacon. If you're a bishop, you're also a priest and a deacon. Um, and in fact, while there is a uh, the 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 Anglican Church believes in a position
3: of the deacon, there is an aspect of, of course, anyone and everyone who is a saint
0: also being a servant. Uh, but in this particular case, Paul is saying he's a deacon, which is interesting because, of course, we, we have seen him talk about himself as a servant, as a bond servant, as an apostle. But now you're correct. I, I don't remember Paul t- talking about himself as a deacon. Um, Offhand, uh, I could probably look it up quickly, um, but I don't remember, and I'm not seeing any right now. Ah, Ephesians, Ephesians three seven. Um, Paul talks about being made a deacon. Uh,
3: Thank
4: you. It's just, it just it that, you know when things jump out at you, it would it would have if it was jumping out to me. Did it jump out to the people reading the letter? You know, it it would have been put there as as purposefully.
1: Yeah, I think to me, this is just a generic service. Uh, He's speaking, echoing the voice of Christ, who says that I am among you as one who serves. The service.
2: Yeah, It's a good point, Kate, but because it makes me think the very next verse, he's there talking, he's, a deacon somebody really serving the body of christ in that sense and the very next verse is going to rejoice in the suffering he's doing for the sake of the body so to me I, I see the the play on words here how he's putting himself down as one of these servants for the body and as he's suffering for the body
5: yeah
3: thank
0: you yes so That's i, th- I think um, what Arya is saying is correct it's it's you know this is- not necessarily a a super important word theologically always. Sometimes words can just be the words that are in there. Um, but at the same time, it's a very important point that he is a minister, um, a deacon, someone who, who serves the body of
3: believers. And um, for a church that perhaps isn't
0: highly thought of yet. You know, this small church in the middle of, of Asia Minor that has two different cities that are much grander than them right nearby. Um, for Paul to come and say, oh yeah, you know, I'm an apostle
3: uh, by the will of God. But I'm also a deacon. Right? Um it might not be this grand thing, and it doesn't have to
0: be a grand point. Like, I, I think most of you probably know by now that both Aryeh and I love literary terms and, and terminology and, and looking into them in, in different uh, studies and groups.
3: But sometimes the simple words make their own point. Um, and,
0: and Vita, you want to uh, elaborate on 24? Or am I putting you on the spot?
2: No, it's okay, because I was just going to talk about verse 24. To me, it's fascinating. Here we seeing Paul, he's saying he's suffering. He's just rejoicing in the fact that as being part of the body of Christ, he can take on some more of the sufferings because he's now part of Christ. Just as Christ suffered for us, he's, he's happy to suffer for the body. And for the rest of the brothers, in order to bring more brothers in, in order to to serve the brothers, and it's a rejoicing thing that Paul is is as you said ministering towards. He, this is his, just his his job that he's doing. He's, he's, he's he just he loves being able to do this for the body.
5: It should be for everyone.
2: Yeah, for for everybody in the body.
5: And
1: notice that he's making up the things that are missing in the sufferings of Christ. The sufferings of Christ are not completed. And there's a, a hidden uh, message in the word that he uses to describe what he's doing that is never translated. It's, it's and it means I'm taking my turn yeah. instead of Christ, in filling up the what is missing in the sufferings of Christ.
2: But it's I love what you're saying because it just makes us understand how we are part of that body of Christ. Mm-hmm. He 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 died and broke his body for us, and now we get that chance that that honor, as Paul puts it here, that honor of being part of his body to complete all the the suffering and the the pouring ourselves out and the sacrificing ourselves for will- each other.
5: Lord willingly could bear the suffering. Yeah.
2: Lord willing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's. It's actually very interesting. The, even the phrase that he uses, um, "I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of His body," and um, there is a word that's only used here in in um, verse twenty four, uh, which I can't remember exactly what it is. I just mentioned it. Um, I read it earlier today. Um, but how can there be something lacking? In Christ's affliction, for the sake of his body. Um, I could mention what I think it is, but Arya just turned off his uh, mute, so go ahead.
1: We, we need to understand the relationship but we, in the mystery of Christ that is going to be mentioned here <clears throat> a,
3: little,
1: a little further on in the, in the. Uh, epistle. The the sufferings of Jesus of Nazareth were completed on the cross, but the sufferings of Christ were not finished. They are ongoing, and we are all invited to enter into them and take our turn in, in filling up what is still missing. Paul writes to the Philippians. He said that the, 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 the struggle you saw in me, it's now in you. You're taking your turn. It's come to you, and uh, it didn't stop with the Philippians either.
0: Yeah. Um... Right, all of us suffer, all of us are at least called to suffer, and if we aren't suffering,
3: um, maybe again take a look at your life. Um, but uh, yeah, go ahead, Lisa. Yes, the
4: suffering, uh, the cross, uh, and the gospel, uh, it, it, it's I think it's very important to talk about this because uh, in in my um, community in in Sweden, the South, they have often lost this dimension of the cross in the gospel, in the teachings. So we have a problem here. So I'm very happy uh, to be in this group and hear uh, the gospel this way from Jerusalem it, it really means a lot for me so thank you very much it helps me a lot thank you that's why a commentary that it's cross yes we we shouldn't, We shouldn't. are not allowed to lose it <laughs> in the <Yeah>. teaching <laughs> what, what one of the very
0: yeah I just want to hopefully all of us can be encouraged um because opening up a, a Bible study like this online, where you invite people and where you have people from different cultures, different countries, um, on the one hand, it can be very scary. Because there will be differences of opinion. There will be differences of theology. But in the end, we're looking and saying to one another, let's be encouraged Let's act out what we see in the Bible. Let's live the way that God asks us to live. And so, of course, we might sometimes be like, oh, no, somebody said something I slightly disagree with. Um, no one would ever do that at the church I go to because the church I go to, everyone agrees with me,
3: um, which isn't necessarily the best way to live because in the end, God isn't asking us to, to
0: all say the exact same thing. He's asking us to show love one to another. Uh, David, go ahead.
5: Yeah, John, I was just, I was just considering the idea of, of the idea of suffering, the idea of being born again, the idea of being, without being born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. We're told in Acts 14.22, uh, it says that we must, we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So uh, it seems to be one of the criteria uh, of 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 being able to get into the kingdom. Is that possible?
0: Can you repeat that?
5: Okay, in in Acts, in Acts fourteen twenty two, it says they, they, they said that after preaching the gospel, right? They said that we must we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. It's it seems that. Uh, it's it's almost like one of the criteria, like to be born again. You can only, only to, when you born again, can you see? the meeting, and I don't get time to go now. Five minutes of this meeting will be over. So our I
0: just uh, I Yeah. Kim are
5: you? Use uh... cross communication. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Kim uh, you're. Uh... Ah, and if you sorry. want to talk, great. All right.
5: Sorry, um, sorry. I didn't want to talk now. Um my sorry, I, I I forgot my my microphone was on. Sorry about that. No problem.
0: We always love to hear your voice. Um, particularly when you can leave us. Um, but the yeah, so um I'm sure having been here, you've heard David uh Pelleggi talk about the kingdom of heaven. Right? It's it's even in this world here and now right we we we're living in it we want to uh expand the kingdom of heaven, but you know you read stuff like um uh either you read stuff like uh any any of these others Ephesians, whatever it might be there is suffering in our life um it's, I'm not entirely sure uh, if we can completely say that suffering is necessary for salvation.
5: Well, no, what not, I would say
0: all. is mm. that if you follow God and the world hates God, yeah. the world will hate you.
5: Mm. At least- Maybe it's, it, it, it's it's better to connect it to the idea that as we're growing as we're being refined, it's kind of like being pruned. it's a painful process, so
0: yeah um you I mean, and here you're talking about Paul, and if we have our dates right, where is Paul when he's writing this? uh in fact, we don't even need to have the dates right because when you look at the end of the end of the official, uh you know we know where he is um. Uh, he he's not even necessarily able to write his own epistles, Uh both either because he he's in prisons, and or because he might be in a lot of pain, right? Um, for for various reasons, uh, we don't know exactly what affliction he had, but um, he had a very difficult life. He was, you know, stones. He was he had all of these different physical things that came upon him beyond even the rejection that he had from people and whether sometimes Christians, right? You can have rejection from other people who are actual Christians. Um, unfortunately, even though we're called to love one another, we're called to serve one another. Um, but yeah,
3: uh, we will almost certainly face our own suffering. And if we're called to carry the cross, right, we should be grateful for the opportunity.
0: We absolutely should be grateful for the opportunity to do so. And I've been in so many places where they're like, oh, our country is changing. It's becoming so much worse. We need to have this president or this minister or this king to take care of the problem because it's getting worse, and we should definitely pray that God gives us a king, or a minister, or a president that will make things better for me.
3: We should be praying for a king, and a president, and a minister, right, Prime minister. But maybe not that they make things better for me. because you look at the world, you look at where there's growth, where there is movement in
0: the body of believers, and it is so often in places that have
3: suffering, particularly the suffering of believers, who can stand up and say, okay, this is painful. But I still have joy. I still have hope. I still have faith. I still have love. Um, and and you, you really see this
0: in, in the gospel. You see it in the epistles. Um, unfortunately, I can't find the passage right now, but there is... Uh, Paul talks about um, uh, filling up the... Uh, you know, the suffering for for uh your sake in this case. He he talks in another epistle and I can't remember exactly where it is.
3: Second Corinthians Ah that second Corinthians four. Is it you uh muted yourself. I I yeah. Um <laughs>
2: Retend. Unmute Aria.
1: We missed what you said. Oh, sorry. It's in Second Corinthians one through five. It repeats itself, the theme repeats itself several times, culminating, culminating in the universal reconciliation again of all things in God reconciling all things in Christ.
3: Yeah. He
1: says uh, uh in essence he says the same thing that he said in verse 24 for the for the for the Corinthians and he's saying, So death works in me, but life in you. Yeah. So you, you get life
0: and and again life is good. And and life the life of Jesus is the life that brings us life. Um but sometimes suffering is also required. There's a um a man who brings uh Paul um a gift from his church. And uh, it uses the same phrase. He, he filled up what was lacking in the, in the church by bringing this gift to Paul. And this, this man almost died in bringing it to Paul. Um, and, and Paul comes back to the church. And again, I can't remember exactly which one it is. But he comes back and he says, you, know,
3: you know, be
0: grateful, be thankful. Uh, the the man is worried that you might be worried about him uh, because he almost died, but he's fine, he's alive, he's here,
3: and he filled up what was lacking in you. Now, what the church did was send a gift. So what were they lacking?
0: Well, perhaps someone who took the gift to the person they were giving it to.
3: Uh, and in this case, Paul is sharing um, he's bringing the gift uh, that that Jesus had for us. He's bringing it, bringing it
0: to the Gentiles. He's, he's um, sharing it, and he's sharing in the affliction
3: and in the suffering. And people, as Aaron likes to say, God works through people.
0: Um, you know, Jesus could have appeared to all the world like he will one day, and said, Hi, oh, I'm here, believe in me. Oh, by the way, you will believe in me. <laughs> uh, but he suffered, he died, he, he, um, he was afflicted, and now there's us, there's Paul. Go ahead, Kate.
4: Yeah, it's just, and uh, I heard it on Sunday, and it was a sermon on Sunday, it was just a little line, and it's, it was that we understand Christ, we understand God through his sufferings. It's through his sufferings that we understand our faith. And perhaps that's the same thing in us through our suffering is where we 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 begin to um we don't we we obviously don't have the the same responsibility that Jesus had to suffer, but in his suffering he taught us what we need to know.
0: Yeah. Um, and uh, just going back to an, an example that, that Aaron gave last week,
3: um, or maybe it was someone else actually. Next time you argue and there's, there's
0: you know something going on among the body of believers and someone's
3: watching, will they see this argument bring the gospel forth or harm it? Right?
0: Because you can argue and show the gospel, show the love, show the grace. Um, And maybe not quite the same level of, of affliction, but when we're afflicted, right? Are we showing the love? Are we showing the grace? Are we showing the peace of God? Are we showing the hope of God in these moments that we're afflicted? Um, unfortunately it's it's just about time to close up and I want to just close with with this um in in verse twenty seven real quick uh and then we might close up and if people want to talk a little bit afterwards,
3: that's fine um, But Paul is writing to this group who perhaps don't think very highly
0: of themselves they don't seem to understand or or perhaps they need to be encouraged
3: that they are part of the saints. Um, to them, God cho- chose to make known how great among
0: the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery,
3: which is Christ in you, the of glory. Um, just looking at this passage Colossians um, 15 through 29 and, and even going back to verses 1 through 15 or 1 through 14 making known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory There is a very real aspect that we need to look at ourselves and say, are we walking worthy of the Lord? Are we
0: continuing
3: in faith? Are we stable? Are we steadfast? Are we not shifting from the hope of the gospel? And this is part of our humility. This is part of our call. And in fact, a very large part of our call to live this life, to walk out our faith worthy of the Lord. But the other half, or maybe not quite half, uh, but the other equation is that we show God uses Gentiles in Colossians. He uses not only
0: Gentiles, but obviously Jews, right? All over the Roman world, right? Most of the letters that Paul is writing is to a group of
3: Jewish people that have Gentile believers who have come into the church. And they together,
0: in this case, perhaps slightly more gen- Gentile, in other churches, perhaps slightly more Jewish. But in this case, they're showing in this Gentile church that was started by a random person,
3: ah. Don't know anything about him, really. Not by a uh, an apostle, not by a disciple. These people aren't, for the most part, Jewish, probably, and they're showing. Greatness, the riches of his glory, the mystery that messiah, the Jewish Messiah can be in us and wow, what what a great thing to know, and this should be part of our humility know that God heard about me
0: um, so I, I wanted to close with that um, again if, if we want to talk we didn't get to all of uh, you know verse six which has uh, mysteries are always fun and interesting um, and we certainly might uh, I might have Aaron or myself whoever's teaching next week I think Aaron hopefully, Aaron, Um,
3: go over uh, verse 28 again, because this is uh, important. Um, Part of of the whole of Colossians. But uh, just to remind ourselves, yes, of course, walk worthy of the Lord, but He's reconciled us and he's chosen us. Uh, In this case, I think we're we're elaborating, right? Of course, he's talking to the people of Colossians, but I'm a Gentile. I hope that God is showing his greatness through my life. I'm walking worthy of the Lord, and, and others here are Jewish, and they are showing the greatness of God. They're being a light to the nation. They're being a light to the Gentiles. And that is also a huge encouragement. Hope, faith. We can have these things. We can have joy. So uh, thank you all for joining us. And again, I'll stay on for a little while. Um,
0: but I think I might ask uh, Aaron to, to jump in and go through a little bit of this last bit of the chapter again. Um, God bless
3: you all, and uh, we'll see each other next week. Thank you, John. Yep. Thanks, John. Thank you, John. Thank you. Again. Thank you, John. God bless you.
4: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, group. <laughs> I was at the beginning. That's that's a good sign, though. It means that it's made me think a lot. Hey,
3: John. <laughs> where is my?